Greetings, friends. Welcome back to part two of our episode, Revisiting Pride. In this part of the episode, we talk about our sacred history or sacred narrative surrounding Pride and Stonewall. And we also talk on where we see our movement going in the years to come. We hope you enjoy. And now back to the show. Okay, so I think we could just keep talking about this one particular subject for a while. So, you know, I kind of want to... I, <laughs> so I kind of want to steer us towards, you know, the myth, the, oh my gosh, what, how did you say, uh, hi, historical mythology? Uh, how yeah, did the you sacred say, history. Dr. Yeah, the sacred history. I wanted to steer our conversation towards sacred history and the the myth of Stonewall, basically, uh, going into our, you know, the, the history of Stonewall. And, you know, that one particular video that I saw you know, I, I saw it and I was like, this is interesting. And it definitely, you know, it conflicts with the narrative that we all readily and widely accept that Stonewall was, you know, trans women of color through the first brick at Stonewall. And, you know, after, you know, watching this video and then, you know, going through and, you know, finding articles and whatnot, you, it's interesting to see all these different aspects of the story that we don't have exactly right, but no one knows exactly which one is right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Who, yes. who would like to jump on that <laughs> first? <laughs> well, Sylvia Rivera, I believe, is well known for saying, I didn't throw the first brick at Stonewall, but I threw the second. Right. <laughs> um, so, like, even she and, you know, she's you know passed over, uh, but even, like, uh, Marshall B. Johnson and Miss Major, who are still alive, like, even they can't really tell you um because it was it was kind of a i mean that's how uprisings and sort of melees happen right they happen in this really complicated way and i i think you know when i have taught about stonewall when i taught queer studies back you know in a whole other lifetime you know to challenge the idea that it was just the night that the gays finally got fed up you know and that uh you know, we decided we were just done, and I'm like, no, it's this. It was a, a right against police brutality, which I think people sort of forget that you know, and it really wasn't you know, police coming in. It wasn't really about homosexuality. It was about gender nonconformance. And I think the other piece that people sort of like don't talk about is people talk about oh, the Stonewall and how it was this gathering place. I'm like Stonewall was a shithole, and it was run by the mafia. Like it was not like this magical gathering place, right? It was one of the places where our community could go and not get hassled because they're, you know, they were paying enough money to the mafia to keep the police off them most of the time. And, uh, you know, one, at least one account is police showed up that night because somebody missed the payment, you know, but that has, is not as pretty of a narrative as sort of, you know, people banding together and, and finally just getting fed up and we're going to stand up against the police. Um, I actually think it's a better story, but, you know, there's just all those pieces, but they don't, they don't fit in to like a nice narrative if we want a narrative to talk about how it kicked off this movement. Dr. Susan Cecil authority, the room falls silent. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Susan has spoken. <laughs> and it shall be in accordance with the prophecy. <laughs> uh, I think I, I, you know, maybe we're so quiet because we agree with you, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, I like, I don't really have anything to, I don't really have anything to add to that particular narrative. I mean, I've, I've been, I've woefully uneducated in a lot of the, the origins of this. I mean, largely because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people of that time are now dead. 
Um, and so uh, there's a huge section of, you know, the history of that time, which is irrevocably, yeah. you know, which fucking sucks. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. May you burn in hell forever. And, Amen. <laughs> and uh, learning more of these things as they come out, you know, I think it's really important because I, even in reading some, you know, some of the articles that were posted up, you know, you've got the, you have literally the white cis gay guy talking about, you know, false narrative of the, of the, you know, Sylvia and, and uh, Martha P. Johnson, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, this smells like the cis it again, um, <laughs> but you know, this like hearkening back to that like who owns history kind of thing, like we again have we stop that. <laughs> Like, we can all be important at it so that we can all get it fucking done. Like, it, you know, ultimately, you know, it, the the important thing is that, I mean, at least for me, in my, my perspective, the important thing is that a brother is thrown. And, you know, the, the, the acknowledgement needs. It's not unimportant who threw the brick. It's that a brick was thrown, and all of the people who threw the bricks need to be acknowledged, you know, and celebrated for their contribution in, you know, throwing bricks at cop. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, that's a thing. <laughs> well, and it's like anthropologically speaking, you know, you see sort of the same thing with social movements that you see with religious movements, that one of the things that, that sort of as they get formalized and as they start to galvanize is that there is some sort of like sacred history that people gather around that they echo with. So, you know, in Wicca, it's Gerald Gardner and, you know, the New Forest Coven. And in, and we don't know if that's true or not, like whatever. In Christianity, it's the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Like there mm-hmm. is, and, and what, what matters less is the, well, or anthropologically, what matters less is the, uh, the finer details. And what matters more is that it's evocative and it galvanizes people. Um, mm-hmm. It gets complicated when you're talking about people that are still alive and people that yep. are erased out of their own narrative, but this is a thing that happens. And so to sort of always hold those two things in tension is like, Oh, you know, mm. I can't I wait should... for us to have another show talking about the, 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 you know, the, 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 I guess the the anthropological side of of myths and religious movements because I so want to have you and I want to have uh, our other our other unnamed path beloved person uh, Dr. Tamara on because I feel like you are going to be a show in and of yourselves. Can't <laughs> wait for that. <clears throat> it's gonna be so good. <laughs> I'm into it. And Dr. Susan, when you're talking about like movements and and religion and religious movements that i mean so i'm just going back to my like christian days so my facts might be a little fuzzy i remember like uh, my understanding is the council of nicaea is when there was a gathering of the christians right and and then they kind of came together and they they determined oh you know what we all agree on these things about jesus the christ right and then there were definitely books left out. There were experiences left out. And some of them, I mean, I personally didn't read them, but some of them might have been beautiful and evocative and uh, true even, right? They might have been actually be historically accurate, <laughs> you right. know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm wondering like what, 
what is lost in you know I, I I see that I definitely see the truth of like yes absolutely but it's it's not it's not about who threw the brick it's about the, the brick was thrown and then also knowing that that brick was not just that brick was formed over like you know all over the globe before it happened here in New York you know uh, through many generations of like fighting back of blood being shed um mm-hmm. you know it was all part of our human collective experience uh and then i'm i guess like and then i go back to the, the the granular and i wonder like what are those experiences that are i guess being cut out right and then of course you know talking about who writes history whose voices are being heard and elevated so i wonder i mean part of me like wants to know right and then i want right. to know who was the first person, but then also part of me says, why is it important who was first? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I maybe I'm sorry. I'm doing a lot of processing out loud. I'm still coming down from my pride high. <laughs> um, I, I'm wondering if, um, and I might never come down. I'm going to stay up here for life, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm wondering if it becomes more important when the, the agreed upon story, right? The agreed upon, um, uh, what did you call it? Sacred history? Yeah, sacred uh, history. Yeah, when it when it when it excludes when it excludes marginalized communities, I think is is when it becomes a major issue, you know. Yeah. So I want yeah. So I so I, I see I you know I see why so many uh, trans folks right are maybe married to this idea that it was Sylvia or was us like a trans woman of color, you know. But then maybe it wasn't right, and then they they actually themselves stated that it was not right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. And in some ways, I, I think that maybe we all threw the brick, right? Even, um, especially coming from a pagan spiritual perspective, right? And this idea of us all being ancestors now, right? Like, who, who wasn't there when that brick was thrown? Who amongst our ancestors were not there when that brick was thrown, you know? Um, right. So, uh, yeah, right. I feel like I was just like, doing a lot of thinking out loud, but, <laughs> you know, it, you, you, prod, you, you, you know, you invoked this thought process to me a little bit. <laughs> Well, and it is always like when you get to, I, I think the question that you raise of like who was left out or even purposely erased. Yes. And yeah. are members of that community, are they then erased from the larger movement? And that is something I think we see. Mm. Um, and that prompts a whole other discussion. You know, I, I over the last few years as sort of like Marsha and Sylvia have become more, have come back into the like mainstream queer studies discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, it's been really interesting to teach about that and teach about the work that they went on to do with like, you know, Marsha starting Star House as a safe haven for, for trans and, uh, you know, gender diverse youth. And we don't talk about that because people don't know who, who Sylvia and Marsha were. And so that, I, I think there is something lost when those people get taken completely out of the narrative and it's less, even maybe less important if they threw the first brick, but like, what were they doing for the movement more largely? Yes, um, agreed. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's complicated and 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 hard and and I don't know that there is a uh, right answer, but I think it's it's I think it's almost more important that we ask the questions and we ponder it. And while there are still people alive that were there, that we get their stories mm-hmm. because we did lose an entire generation of especially gay men to HIV and AIDS, and now you know those that are are who survived or escaped that are you know in their 70s and their 80s and older um, that. We need those. We need that collective history to go alongside of our sacred history. Right. And so that we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel every, you know, decade or so. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Something that popped in my head while we were 
while this discussion was going on, you know, when I was a baby gay, whenever I thought about Stonewall, I, in my head, I was like, oh, so our movement was started. And this was, you know, before we started saying, you know, uh, trans women of color started uh, the riots. In my head, I was like, oh, so is being gay like just a white thing? Because it just, in my head, it always seems like whatever I could find, it was always from a white cis gay man's perspective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in the recent years where we've been saying, you know, trans women of color, you know, through the first brick, the trans women of color were the people who, you know, started our movement or started this movement. Um, I was like, okay, so no, pride is for all of us. It is not just, you know, for, but I mean, I honestly, I, before that, I, you know, came to the realization that, you know, pride was for everyone, you know, you know, being gay is for, you know, being queer is for everyone, but the this uh, sacred narrative, this uh, sacred history that trans women of color started pride has really, I guess not really consciously, but subconsciously given me hope for, you know, the improvement of our community. And, Mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, shown me how uh, a lot of cis white gay men get really uptight when you say Marsha P. Johnson threw the first brick at Stonewall. They're like, no, it was, you know, they say, no, it was a white gay man, you know, or even with, uh, in the lesbian community, they, they accuse the trans community of erasing the bar, the uh, female, the lesbian bartender who who said, who has said and not said that she, you know, was the first one to enter, to uh, have the altercation with the cop. Um, Right. A lot of the people who were there that night have been, have you know, been on the record saying, yes, they did, or no, they didn't. So, and I chalked up to, you know, as people get older, unfortunately, things get muddled. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and events and so, like that are, they're necessarily chaotic, yes. you know? Um, so I, and it is, I mean, it's, I think it's also an interesting, like, wonderfully Western capitalist thing that we want to have, like, one defining moment in that event mm-hmm. instead of sort of, being able to accept it in all its messiness. Mm. Agreed. I think that's very notable, you know, and it's also an interesting thing to chew on, right? Why this, <laughs> why this, um, yeah, looking for that, that, that singularity. Yeah. I'm, I, I guess I'm also just reminded of like when I'm in uh, situations where something is happening, where there's a crowd of people. And I, I didn't like, I realized that like, a movement is not one person, you know, and then not just not just to keep it with the people, but it, it's it doesn't start with one person either. Like even in that moment, whether it was Sylvia or, or Marsha or someone else, like even that person who did throw, let's say, the official first brick or shoe or whatever it was, you know, it's like what created that moment for them, right? What catalyzed yeah. it too? And I I don't think that it's like uh, it wasn't it wasn't a choreographed dance, you know what I mean? So it wasn't. Right. It wasn't a moment where it says, okay, after I throw this, you all throw bricks too now, okay? Good. We're on the same page, you know? It's just a moment of, of inspiration, really, you know, mm-hmm. and realizing that this is what's happening right now and this is what's needed or this is where our human experience is being called to, you know? So, yeah, I do enjoy the mystery around it. And I, I do, um, I don't know, I, I, I share this wanting to know the actual, but then I still really do enjoy the mystery around it. And, yeah. I think it fits nicely with our with our spiritual paths too. Yeah. You know, it was me. You know, I threw that brick, and I'm I'm gonna step into that role because I'm claiming that you know that was my ancestor. 
that's where that break, and that's mm-hmm. me now, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I love that. <laughs> and that's, you know, I, and I, I think that, you know, as we get more, and, and I'm watching this movement happen, and even in the current political climate, you know, it's, it's still happening. As people are getting more and more exposure to his, histories that are not sort of the the mainstream white Christian like nationalist fantasy that we teach, and we're starting people are starting to learn Black history and and Latino and Chicano history and queer history. That I think we'll have we'll, we'll learn more and more about what happened in these events, and, and I think. It's in some ways the mystery will be solved, but in some way, like I think we're going to find it that it's even more complicated than the limited, you know, sort of vision that a lot of us got. Mm-hmm. Because we will have have more people like this should be taught as it's just it's just history, and to like you know teach the messiness around it, I, I think has a, a usefulness in teaching about social movements generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people that, like, when I used to teach it, it's like, we didn't start with Stonehall. We started with the Mattachines, and we started with the Daughters yeah. of Belitis, and we started with, with all of mm-hmm. that, so that you understand why this thing that happened in a bar one June night, it, it didn't happen in isolation. And, it, and there was all this other stuff going on underneath to raise some of these questions about right to public space and, and all of that good stuff um, that the movements fight for. And it wasn't just a wasn't just that some people in this particular bar got pissed off one night. It was happening against this much larger context. Mm. Gosh. Uh, so I kind of want to combine, you know, two points that I had in our document. You know, where do we see – what is Pride becoming? You know, what, what do we see it becoming in the future? And what are – obviously when we've been out and about, you know, we've interacted with things in various capacities. What – you know, obviously we know that there are still going to be – there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be, you know, addressed with race, with uh, transphobia, uh, especially in, unfortunately, in the queer community, we are still dealing with transphobic issues. What other, you know, things do we see that we need to really address more within our community in the years to come? Ooh, 30 minutes, huh? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, gosh. Everyone has five minutes and go. <laughs> Okay. I'll I'll give a soundbite for what for what pride is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are only going to get browner and queerer and witchier and louder and stronger and prouder. Watch dinosaurs die out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sparkle fingers of agreement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think that that's I think it's really important that you know we do preserve our history and I think it's also really important that we don't remain solely focused on where we've been which to the exclusion of where we're going mm-hmm. I know that a big you know there's a huge contingent especially of the white cis gay men who get really upset because you know we're just we have all the letters in this acronym and it's just too hard to remember and wah 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 and you know you you either keep learning and keep changing or you fucking die out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. pick one um, because progress is not going to stop. People are not going to stop, you know, discovering the, the, the more grand, the more granular data of, you know, the intersections of sex and gender and identity and all of those lovely bits. And, you know, it, it just, it's just gonna get more complicated, folks. So, mm-hmm. you know, hit, hitch up your hitch up your britches. And let's get with the program. Yeah, all of that. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have to say, as somebody who works with kind of the next generation of queers, like, they blow my mind, and they are here to take zero shit. Mm. Like, and I love that about them. You know, I am, like, consistently amazed when, you know, I'm, I'm interacting with college students who are, like, 18, 19, 20, right? And they already have such a more sophisticated understanding of all of this than I did at 1920 when I was kind of figuring it out for myself. And there is among the young queer people I work with, especially the young queer people of color I work with, just an expectation that they will be taken seriously and that they will be treated with dignity and that, you know, they're just, they're just not here for it. Um, And I'm really excited to see what they do and like the spaces that they create. Um, there's a, a bookstore uh, and performance venue that's being started here in Dallas by a queer non-binary femme, um, African-American, and it's a space for like queer and trans people of color that's not a bar. Uh, and we're seeing these spaces pop up, sober spaces, art spaces, art collectives. Um, they are building like the next generation of this movement and, and like Jay said, you got to either you know you got to either get on this train or get off the tracks because they are going to shift the culture so much, and they're going to shift it in ways that we need them to. Also, snappy fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, up up here in I, I it's I haven't been in Texas in a while, and I wasn't particularly involved in a lot of the gay community in Texas just because Houston's gay community is at least when I was there pretty clickish and fractured and you know this is what happens when you have a co you know when you have a cohort of especially you know gay because that's primarily the circles that i run in who essentially get a, their development in an adolescent you mm-hmm. have to deal with a bunch of adult adolescents um and, and so you know that happens but you know being up here i have to say you know watching the watching the the Weird kids and the weirdos and the freaks and you know I, I love it. They're they're they are they're they are very much in that like we have our last fuck dried up and blew away, and like we are here to be queer and weird and gay and do whatever the hell we want and fuck you if you don't uh, fuck you for, for saying no. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I, I watch just fearless going up against institutional barriers and just mad, mad respect for that and, and moving a lot of, you know, I am really interested in the way people build space and, and build gathering spaces and watching that happen here, either with, you know, physical spaces or creating artist collectives and uh, performance groups and all of these places that are for, they're for visibility, uh, but they're also for solidarity and just really seeing Seeing how those spaces, um, how they take off, and how, quite honestly, they get a lot of support, and how these are, are young queer folks, young queer activists, they don't take no for an answer. They, you know, they're like, no, let's figure out how this needs to be done. And I think, you know, a lot of the folks in in the queer bomb are here in Dallas are in that demographic and in those groups. I, I, and I see a lot more willingness to like bring queerness into discussions of reproductive justice and. Uh, recovery spaces and things that maybe people don't think of as queer issues, but where a queer perspective is needed. And I, I love, I love that taking it, really trying to make it intersectional. What about you, Chris? <laughs> Gosh, I, I'm kind of 
I, you know, I'm kind of like sitting in judgment of my own like projection a little bit, but I'm gonna uh, let that go, <laughs> and then I I'm gonna I'm gonna like hold that all progress uh, and change is beautiful. I I see I see a couple of different possibilities. I, I see a more blurring of lines uh, and um, more of an with with deeper and deeper understandings of gender being a spectrum and sexuality being a spectrum. I see folks, especially uh, I imagine the young folks that uh, Dr. Susan, you're talking about, embracing this idea of just living within the spectrum and not necessarily being stagnant on it. But I also see resistance to that. I see resistance maybe from uh, folks my age or maybe for myself even, you know, because sometimes we hold tight to these um, identities and symbols. I'm thinking about even like the rainbow flag and the resistance that I hear about like the inclusion, like the Philadelphia flag with the brown and the black stripe or mm-hmm. the trans black colors on it. So I, I wonder, I wonder, so I, I definitely see the scenario of uh, the Chase mentioned of the dinosaurs dying away, right? And maybe that's what will happen. But I could also see the possibility of like um, a more radicalization of of the core of it and then possibly a, a fracturing of the community a little bit. And mm-hmm. I guess I was, I, I was kind of like wondering like, Oh, is this a bad thing? And then I, I am, I'm reminded by um, Rich Mondell, um some conversations I had about like um, new traditions within our spiritual, spiritual community, right? Like kind of uh, coming up and how it can be so sad when that happens, but it's also beautiful because this growth happening and this is what growth demanded. Right. So, I mean, I think certain fractures and certain separating communities, there's strength in numbers for sure. And then there, there's a time when it's appropriate. There's a time when it, what is it, like a, a created faction happening by those who would see us diminished, you know? Right. But then I see the possibility of that happening too. And I wonder, part of it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting in sadness about that, but I'm also seeing, sitting in beauty about it too. You know, I see it as like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that I might not be alive when that happens, right? And then it wouldn't, it'll be whoever's holding the baton at that moment, right? The community mm-hmm. that's holding the baton and fighting the good fight then. So I don't know. I'm excited, but I also see a little sadness on not being part of it or being, you know, the past of that, you know? Right, <laughs> right. But it's all beautiful. Even in the sadness, I, I see beauty and I see lots and lots of color. <laughs> so I bless that vision. How about you, Michael? Well, I've been trying to get all my thoughts condensed down, which for a Sagittarius is hard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would say I see, I definitely, a thought that popped in my head was sometimes you have to burn away the dead, useless branches in order for a tree to flourish. It's sad because the tree's on fire, but it'll be better in the long run. Uh, so, yes, you know, the dinosaurs are going to die out. And our movement is going to grow, it's going to prosper, but not without also losing some branches here and there because people, because those branches have grown useless and dried up and just aren't helping the greater tree grow. Um, I, see, I see our community needing to address more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, ableist ideas that we have. Um, you know, we need to make pride accessible for everyone. And... A lot of times we exclude members of our community who, you know, are in wheelchairs, you know, or use prosthetics or are deaf, blind. Even with our podcast right here, someone who's deaf is not going to get this information unless someone actually types out everything we say. Um, So, you know, I 
see our community needing to address these issues in the future. I see our community definitely needing to uh, widen its gaze of what it means, what gender means, what sexuality means. You know, when before I met my boyfriend and really, you know, took the time to learn what it, you know, it meant for someone to be a trans man, I was unfortunately of the mind that, oh, I'd never date a trans guy. You know, I like penis. And it had to, you know, really, like, I had to slap myself around a little bit, you know, like, I am not attracted to just a body part. I am attracted to the individual and force myself to overcome that. And sometimes you got to smack some other people around to be like, you're being stupid. (laughs) Wake up. Uh, But it's just, you know, we have a long way to go, but we really just need to work together. And, uh, you know, this journey is not going to be comfortable. It is, you know, there's going to be times when something needs to change, like need to be like addressing the sex worker issue. You know, most cisgender uh, gay men will subscribe to someone's OnlyFans or whatever because, oh, I think this person's hot, you know, and they're giving me porn or whatnot. That's sex work. That is still sex work. And, you know, even with, with Sosa Foster, any sort of education is being, you know, targeted. Trans education, especially when they're talking about, oh, this is how you bind. You know, this is what, you know, choosing the right packer is like. Or this is how you find the right packer for yourself or mm. stuff like that. Or, you know, this is, what, this is what you do when you are a trans man who still menstruates. Or, you know, this is what happens when you are a trans woman on hormones, you can still, you will still have a period or something that is period-like. You will still have pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, this is all stuff that we just, we need to get out there and it is not going to be easy. It's not going to be, not going to be fun a lot of the times. And we need to know that the party doesn't go 24-7. Yes, mm-hmm. let's party, but also let's be aware of, you know, what else is going on. Like what happened on the anniversary of Stonewall with the trans woman of color who interrupted the show to yes. read out the names of all these trans all these trans women of color who had been killed. And everyone in the bar was like, you know, throw her out, call the police. You're wanting to do that on the anniversary of Stonewall. And, you know, we just talked about, you know, our sacred history or sacred narrative. Did that not conflict in your head? <laughs> Cognitive dissonance is deafening. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. I heard that, and the only thing I could think of was, you know, may the spirit of Marsha P. Johnson appear to those people that slap the tits out of their mouth. <laughs> That's right. Call, y'all better, call, y'all better call, the, call the police. Mm. <sighs> well, and I, I can't help but think, too, that one way that our movement will change is that, you know, when – when queer folks and you know queer and trans folks achieve more legal equality in this country, you know, the Supreme Court will hear a case in the fall about whether or not employment discrimination is constitutional or not. Um, as we gain more legal equality, the questions that we ask and the causes that we agitate for will of necessity change. I mean, we've seen that since marriage equality, right? That was the focus, rightly or wrongly, of the movement for a long, long time. And now that – and there are people who, you know, kind of went, okay, we're done, or people who don't know what to do with themselves because that was their cause. But it's like, okay, now, you know, what is the next thing that we talk about? And as those 
the sort of victories pile up as they I believe in, inevitably will, then we have to we have to think about what comes next. And I don't know what that answer is. You know, I you know, I hate to say that I think that might be a good spot to kind of lead into our closing because we have like 12 minutes left. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, we we don't, we don't know what's coming next, like you said, Dr. Susan. But you know, we can be hopeful, and we can be the ones to, if we if we are willing, we can be the ones to help push it forward. But um, I know uh, Chase messaged me and said he had a closing for us. Wonderful. <laughs> so so on the subject of knowing what comes next, I have a closing thought for everyone, and this comes. Twitter user at Southern Homo. Now, this is about a year old or so, but it's still, you know, it's appropriate. So, Pride Month may be over, but fear not. June is LGBT Pride. July is LGBT Wrath. August is LGBT Lust. September, LGBT Greed. October, LGBT Envy. November, LGBT Gluttony. And December through May, LGBT Slut. So, you know, get all of us get ready to sin and have fun doing it because fuck a bunch of old dinosaurs. Yes. Yes. Make sure there are witnesses. We need witnesses of those sins, you know. Yeah, Facebook Live. <laughs> oh, oh I, I love you bunch of queer weirdos. <laughs> <sighs> Same. Um, you're right, too, Michael. Uh, you're right. <laughs> uh, Dr. Susan, uh, before we go, do you have anything you would like to uh, promote? Um, you know, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Yes. You can um, find me online at dreamingpriestess.wordpress.com. That's going to be moving eventually, but I'm still there. You can get me over email at dreamingpriestess at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook under that name and on Instagram at Dakota Witch. Uh, Dakota like South Dakota and Witch like, well, which um, you can you can kind of follow what's happening there. Uh, my next public event will be June 13th. It'll be my full moon goddess circle, which is open to um, all women, cis, trans, or otherwise, and non-binary people who find their homes in goddess-centered spaces. Um, and that is at Horizon Unitarian Universalist Church in Carrollton, Texas, uh, from 7:30 to 10:30. You can uh, find that information via Facebook by searching for Full Moon Goddess Circle or just send me an email and I'll be happy to link you. Um, otherwise, you can, if you want to uh, set up a tarot reading or have me come on your show or speak at one of your events, uh, the dreamingpriestess at gmail.com is the best way to do that. And uh, I also just wanted to say this was really fun. My, my podcast has been on hiatus for several months, so it was fun to get to come on and, mm-hmm. and play a little bit. Yay. Yes. Yay. And, you know, we don't, we don't normally talk about our, our own events, but uh, Chase, are you? Do you have anything coming up? Or well, yeah, let's go, Chase, and then then Chris. Oh gosh, you know I really don't have anything super public happening just yet. Um, I am getting the I am getting the magic business up and running very 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 slowly. Um, although I do want to give a shout out to to Dr. Susan Harper for being a kick-ass tarot reader because like she's real good, y'all. You should hire her. Thank you. 
What about you, Chris? Uh, so no personal events for me, but I do want to throw a little shout out back to between uh, between the worlds or BTW. Uh, registration is still open, uh, and Michael and I will both be in attendance. So please come on by, come say hi, and uh, take a selfie with us. <laughs> <laughs> and just to piggyback a little bit on what uh, Chris just said, yes, we will be going to BTW. Uh, it won't just be me and Chris. There's actually a small group of brothers who are we going to Between the Worlds, and yeah. we're very excited. And we are actually working on a couple of proposal workshops and whatnot. So if you would like to, you know, go and attend these workshops, we'd love it. I, I'm personally going to submit a proposal to do a spirit contact circle, which is kind of like the bread and butter for a lot of a name path stuff. We do that all the time, and we. You know, we welcome members of the community to join us in contacting our, uh, you know, dearly departed or whatever spirits of the land or, you know, our queer ancestors. And since, you know, the the, the uh, patron deity or deities for BTW this year or the ancestors of queer spirit, we thought it was, you know, kind of appropriate. <laughs> but uh, and that, I think, is all I have. I know I, I'm, we're, we're also we're working on, you know, trying to get some fun guests, some reviews, or some other topics that we think everyone would enjoy. If you have any suggestions, please get in touch with us. You can email us at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walkingtheunnamedpath. We also have a Twitter at, at walking underscore the UP. So if you'd like to reach out, even if any ideas or if you'd like to be on the show, you know, please, you know, give us a holler and I we we hope you had a happy pride and we hope you're ready for uh what is it happy wrath wrath yes <laughs> yes wrath <laughs> uh, I you know I love, it's my favorite I love you time all. of <laughs> I love you all and thank you again um, Dr Susan for being on the show with us it's always a pleasure to talk with you and we need to get together soon me and you because yes. we're in Dallas together. <laughs> If you want to say bye, now's the time, because then I'm going to go into a song, and we will be off the air. Excellent. Thank you you so much for having me. Um, There's something that my students say often on campus, and I I want to share it with with y'all in terms of pride. Uh, my my students often often say we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Mm. Yes. (laughs) And and with that, we will be playing out with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, we, we will be playing out with a song from our brother Matthew Sidney. I need to get his new song that he just released. Oh, I forgot about that. But we'll be playing out with a song that we played when we did his interview, Morlock. Again, blessings to you all, and we hope you'll continue to walk this path with us. Have a nice evening. Good night, everyone. Good night.
Thank you again for your patience in waiting for this episode to come out. We're working hard on getting more episodes out and recorded, and you know we're looking for some interesting topics and guests to bring on. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe on your preferred media outlet so you can stay up to date on when we release new content. And if you could, take a moment and please give us a rating and leave a comment. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it, and we love to hear from you. Hope you have a blessed day, and we hope you will continue to walk this path with us. Bye.